Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. The true story of Martin Guerre, dramatized by Guy Meredith from the trial notes of the judge, Jean de Corat. Episode 2. Pour quelques légers larcins du blé, qui celui Martin t'avait fait à son père, se serait absenté du pays. Et demeuré huit ans dehors. The event of the case took place in the small village of Artigas, in the French Languedoc. In 1548, Martin Guerre, a man of good peasant stock, had abandoned his wife, his child, and his home. Eight years later, he returned to resume his old life and father two more children. But was he the same Martin Guerre? Midday! Rest there! Good morning's work. Almost off a field cleared. Wine will be brought round. <laughs> what? Is that how I should refer to you? In front of the labourers? Bertrand! Because I have no name for you, do I? And you've been avoiding me. Ah, it's harvest time. Avoiding me and your right to my bed. Tongues will wag. You'll be caught out. I think we should talk now. Look, I swear to you, I am the same man who left Artigar ten years ago. The same man who abandoned you. If I seem changed, well, so did you when I returned. And how was I before? How was I when we married? A girl of twelve, like any other girl of twelve. Had I started to bleed? Yes or no? It's a simple enough question. Go on, guess. You have an even chance. Bertrand, you know perfectly well I had no way of discovering that. We were not on those sort of terms. Oh, good. Very good. I managed to enjoy no more adolescence. <laughs> I kept to my male friends. I wasn't ready to be a father. But your resentment still burns, doesn't it? Bertrand, I understand. We were ill-served by his parents, both of us. But don't take your retribution on me. Whatever wrongs I have done you in the past, I am your loving husband now. Swear to me. You said you would. Swear me an oath. By the mother of Jesus Christ in heaven, by the holy Catholic Church, ha! I... Caught. How? If you were the real Martanga, you would know that such religious solemnities mean nothing to me. But you asked. I have no idea what you've done with him. I've no idea how you learned so much about his life, how you remembered it. But the whole village with their dim memories has welcomed you. Even your Uncle Pierre. For me, I have to admit you are an acceptable exchange. Look, I am your husband, woman. I shall beat this nonsense out of you. Yes, you should. That's what he would have done. But if you harm me, I might spread doubts. And if you kill me, that 
It's hardly going to help you in Artigar now that you have everything so nicely set up. We will make a pact. What are you talking about? We won't refer to this again. We will present a picture of complete marital harmony. But if you know what's good for you, you'll follow my advice. Because with my guidance, your daring little plan is going to seem decidedly tame. If anyone is going to be the overlords in this village, it will be us. I won't have it. He will not succeed. Pierre, calm down. He threatens me with a lawsuit. And I've no doubt he'll go through with it, if Bertrand's urging him on. Uh, then let him take me to court, because I won't pay up. What's mine is mine. Even if it is really Martin. Woman, you are playing with your life if you cross me. It's not me who's crossing you, my dear husband. But within the privacy of these four walls, you may as well admit that you kept some of his inheritance <coughs> on the perfectly reasonable grounds that when his father died, we had no notion where he was. If he now wants the interest on that money... Ah, but where will it stop? I gave him the lands he claimed were his, didn't I? Yeah, you must be patient. Concede, for now, that he's in the right. Never. No, then fight him through the courts, but you'll lose, I warn you. I'll have my revenge on him, nephew or not. Oh, I had the chance to kill him once. He'll overstep the mark. Just wait. If you can. Please drink something. Please be well. Please. What is it? Anne-Marie? How long has she been like this? Three days. As bad as this for three days. Let me see. She won't eat a drink. Look at her. Her bones are showing through. This is blood. She's coughing blood. No. No, it can't be. Pale face, the flushed cheeks. She's wasting rapidly. He sent for the doctor. How oh, can I? Martin is still away in Rio. Oh, and have you cut yourself off from the rest of us so completely? Oh, you must accept what is ordained, Bertrand. No, if he were here, maybe, maybe he'd know, know some remedy. Martin, is he skilled in medicine as well? Oh, perhaps he's so clever, this Martin. What do you mean, this Martin? Well, anything is possible. Who knows what he might mean? Bertrand, have what are you saying, this Martin? I want my child to live. We don't see you much here in Payes, Pierre. Neighbouring villages should be on closer terms. What keeps me in Artega? Unlike my nephew. Yes, I hear he's travelling. Jean Descombeuve said to me the other day, he said, Jean, that young man is going places. Not only in the literal sense. He has a sense of humour, the other Jean. And doesn't it worry you? Everything worries me, Pierre, you know that. But Martin in particular. His activities. He's becoming a trader. He's starting to deal in wine and wool. Yes, I hear he won a court case against you, is that right? Ah, that's beside the point. He'll eat into your business, Jean Lowe's, if he isn't stopped. I can't prevent Martin trading, not legally. What are you driving at? If something were to happen to Martin, I would be the obvious suspect. It's too well known that we've fallen out. I would have to cover my tracks. However, I could provide a certain sum of money if you could find the manpower. The manpower? I would pay half the fee. What? Uh, Two-thirds, I mean, of course. Though don't forget, your interests are at stake as well. You want to hire a murderer? Jean, there's no need to use such dramatic terms. You're talking of your nephew, the man you welcome back into Artiga. You'll suffer from his success as much as anyone. Look, I'm not asking you to pay a lot. I'd pay money to keep Matan alive. 
the more trade he has, the more prosperity there'll be all round. Now on your way, and don't hurry back to Payers again. Patron. Oh, my child. She's at peace. She was baptized. Oh, what difference does that make? She's dead. Let's go home. It's too cold, cold to stay here. You'll make yourself feel. We still need you. The rest of us still need you. Come now. Nineteen years. What's that? Nineteen years ago I was married here. In this church. I know. Oh, yes, of course you do. You could name the entire congregation, couldn't you? Patron. Go on, do it. Impress me. Show off your talent. Patron, I thought we agreed we would not speak of this matter again. But I need cheering up. I need diverting from my grief in case I fall sick and fail those around me. Sometimes women need to be treated as a little more than just childbearing machines. It's not much to ask, is it? A little entertainment? I will not rise to this. The congregation's too easy. The whole of Artigo is there. Go for something more obscure. What we ate at the wedding feast. The colour of the flowers I carried. Patron, Anne-Marie was my daughter as well. How do you think I feel about burying her? Yes. Anne-Marie was yours. Andrew is yours. But Sanxi is not. <laughs> Tell me now. If you have any respect for me at all, tell me the truth. Tell me who you are. Not here. Not in the middle of the village. Wait till we're home. The Battle of Saint-Contin. That is where we met, Martin and I. Can you imagine the horror of a battle? All the terrible things that have happened to you in your life, Patron, would not add up to a fraction of the savagery that is inflicted on a field of conflict. To be surrounded by the dead, the maimed, the severed limbs, the wash of gore and still to fight on, desperate only to be free of the roar of the cannon, the ricochet bullets, the frenzy and slicing of thrusting metal, and I did. I fought my way out. Either that or the battle moved past me. At first I could scarcely believe it. Then I had a moment of great clarity. I saw myself standing there. A young man of thirty. Who could live now to a ripe and peaceful old age. I threw my head back and I laughed. The next thing I knew, this arm was around my neck. It pulled me to the ground. Oh, he was the stronger of us. I could tell that. I was certain that the end had come. But I had the wit still to fight for my sword, which was what he wanted. He'd lost his, you see. And even though dazed, I was heartened because I could feel the energy ebbing from him. Not in an abstract way, no. I could actually feel the warmth of his blood as it soaked between my clothes. A huge gash had been torn in his leg. The lead ball from a rifle had passed straight through it. Go on. 
He must have looked after himself, Martin. Yes. And you knew him. He must have dedicated time to his body. Because even in that state, he was no weaker than I was. We were locked together. The sword between us. His teeth were bared like wild animals. He spat it into each other's eyes. And then something happened. As the sum of all our forces cancelled each other out. As all our efforts simply melded us into one straining immobile creature. We realised it wasn't only our strength that were equal. But that we looked alike. The face that was a palm's width away from mine could have been my own. And not exactly, of course. The grime of battle fudged the differences, but more or less. The same thing must have occurred to him at the same time. Because gradually, and in exactly parallel measure, his muscles relaxed and we fell apart. Why did he attack you if you were fighting for the same side? That would have made no difference. He was wounded, he needed a weapon to defend himself. But as it happened, we weren't on the same side. He was fighting for the Spanish. The Spanish? It was evening, darkening into night. And he told me his story. Is he... Did he die? He was losing blood. A lot of blood. I made a tourniquet and bound his leg. He talked all the while. Took his mind off the pain, I suppose, or perhaps... Aye... He was sure he was dying. And in the absence of a priest, wanted to confess the details of his life to a stranger. Though oddly not to such a stranger. For my part, I listened. I took it in. Since I was a child, my memory has always been sharp. But here, each word might have been his last. And I could forget none of them. Told you everything? They say that when you are dying, you see your whole life once more. Martin saw it and recounted it to me. Did you bury him? No. I never witnessed his final breath. When morning came, the Spaniards started to straggle back in retreat. I had to stay ahead of them. I left him lying there. As I went, he gave me an imploring look, but I think, I believe, I honestly believe, it was to say... Remember what I've told you. Don't let my life go to waste. Aye, oh, that sounds fanciful, I know. As I'm justifying myself. But what more could I do for him? I understand. Well, I made my way back south from Flanders. It was a long journey, not without dangers. But all the time I thought of what he'd said. I knew I must come here to Artiga. That I must tell his family, tell you, what had become of him in all those years he'd been away. Justify him to you, this man who'd look so much like me. But then a thought crept into my brain. What if? Wouldn't it be better if I could make him live again? But this time, be the person he wanted to be, that he knew he should have been. It seemed impossible, but then... Indistinctly, it became the only course. I would take his place. I had no idea whether I would convince you or not. If I failed in the imposture, 
and was punished for it, then it would be a judgment from God. God? Is that the same Catholic God you Martin believed in? Or can you no longer tell yourself apart from him? I pray for you, Bessrand. If you never believed I was your husband, then you have committed a mortal sin. And you? I had a choice. I made the decision to impersonate Martin. My hope of divine mercy rests on the fact that I was impelled to do it for his sake. But now you have redeemed him. You've proved him in the eyes of the villagers, a worthy and honest member of the community. Now you could disappear as he did before. And blacken his character once again. You see, I am caught. But that's the least of it. There's something far stronger which binds me to Artiga. What is that? Why do you ask? You were so perceptive. You must know. I have fallen in love with you, Bertrand. You weren't the only one with a choice. I had no chance to reject Martin when we were married. You I could have turned over to the authorities straight away. What is your name? My name is Martin Gay. And I swear to love you, Bertrand de Rol, for as long as I live. I have no right to confess this to you, to involve you in any way. I realise this love is doomed, but I... Come to bed. But I... Martin, come to bed. Slow down, you've lost me. I don't understand. Then for God's sake, stop drinking, because it's simple enough. But if he's not my nephew, who is he? If we could discover that, we'd have some proof, wouldn't we? As it stands, what have we got to go on? Eleven years since Martin was here in Artigo, who can remember any quirks, any... But why? The slip that Bertrand made. It triggered a doubt that was buried so deep I would never have realised it was there otherwise. But I've been mulling it over. Not Martin Gay. I know. Height. That's it. Even as an adolescent, he was tall. So is this one, if it is a different one. Nearly a head above me. Well, I'd beat him in a brawl any day, of course. Quiet, but... I'm picturing. The day of the wedding. The reception here. He came through that door, a bundle of nerves, and gave himself a crack on the head, remember? I, I said to him, most men are married a while before they grow horns. <laughs> but can't you make the connection? This replacement, this imposter, can walk straight through that frame upright. Are you sure? Invite him here and see for yourself. But who the hell is he if he isn't him? How the hell would I know? But he's so on the ball, the detail of Martin's life, of Artiga. Ah, he has some trickery at his command. Not only that, but all the ins and outs of the region. Uh, yes! Pierre, you've hit on it. You're cleverer than you seem. What do you mean by that? He's a local from the Longadoc and probably a village not too far from here. Oh, if we could discover his true identity. <laughs> you have a little travelling to do, Pierre. Spotted him when? Who was it? 
A soldier from Rochefort passed through two days ago, stopped to have his horse reshod. And he'd fought in Flanders. He'd seen Martin being rounded up among a group of Spanish prisoners. Spanish prisoners? And that's not all. He was carried out of the surgeon's tent. He'd lost a leg. Lost? So the rumour must be true. This can't be the same man. What is this nonsense? A man in agony is face distorted. Now, what sort of identifications? But that? why should he lie, this soldier? Did your husband charge him the full price for these horseshoes? My husband wouldn't give the Pope a reduction for predicting the second coming. <laughs> Still, he did break open a flask of wine. Well, there you are, then. The whole countryside are washed with suspicion, all started by Pierre Guerre and his Aye. wife. Everyone has to take sides. That's the sum total of it. But if this one is the real Martin, why does Guillaume the shoemaker say his feet are smaller? When did Guillaume last make you a pair of shoes that fitted it? If it gets within three sizes, it's accurate. Uh, but this Martin's not interested in wrestling, is he? Oh. Or acrobatics, the way he used to be. Mm. Oh, do you remember how he'd put on displays with the other young men? Their bodies oiled and their down, legs... Oh. <laughs> He's grown older, that's all. Too many responsibilities. Uh, I wish I could remember the last day I had away from this loom. It was Sunday, and you weren't at church now. Because I've got me old set of morals, woman. I don't need dictated to. You want this Martin Guerre to be an imposter just so you can rub your hands in delight at Bertrand's adultery. Well, there's no proof either way, and you might as well admit it. There's as many villagers on his side as against. And if Bertrand herself has fine a woman as she is... Oh, <laughs> yeah, you stick together. You're halfway to being heretics, both of you. <gasps> Madame Sunglass, don't say those words. And your husband is right. Whoever this man is... Bertrand has defended him, even against threats of violence. Yeah. Oh, she has courage. Oh, she'll one. need more than that. They both will. If the village of Artigat falls apart because of some deception, they'll be held to pay. <gasps> Literally. Pilligrand de Libero. Says who? You were pointed out to me. My name's Pierre Guerre. You want to buy lambs? I want to buy information. The innkeeper from Puy de Touge gave me your name. He said, go and see Pelligrand de Libero in Saint-Jean if you want the truth. The truth about what? A uh, deal first. Six livres in your hand, whether you know anything or not. There's three of them. Go on. A man called Poncet. You're acquainted with a man called Poncet. Uh, that's what the innkeeper said. Was acquainted. Exactly. Because when you bumped into him recently at Puy, he didn't want to know you. I thought you were looking for information, not giving it out. Uh, is that true, so far? Poncet's a nickname. He's from here. From Sajas. Where he was. Because he's pretending to be somebody else now, isn't he? Isn't he? Give me the money. Very well. Your hand. One, two, three. You're crushing my wrist. He's pretending to be someone else, isn't he? Yes. Yes. He's pretending to be Martin Guerre from Artigar. Yes. You're breaking it. Let go. Just tell me first what Paul Set's real name. His real name or I'll break them both. Dutil. His real name's Arno Dutil. Again? Arno Dutil. Arno Dutil. Arno Dutil. Now I've got you.
sure I understand, Monsieur Discomberf. It's quite straightforward, my lord. One of my farm buildings was burned down. The only possible cause was arson. And you claim this man was responsible? I do, my lord. Adducing what evidence? That he is a villain and a rogue. Even if he is who he says he is. Martin Guerre? Yes. Even if he is Martin Guerre, Martin Guerre was forced to leave Artigas precisely because he was stealing from his own family. And if he is not, then he has committed a worse crime, usurping another man's marriage bed. But you have no tangible proof that he provoked this fire. My lord, we are patient people, we villagers, but there are some things we will not put up with. Perhaps we should have taken the law into our own hands and strung him up in the village square. Monsieur Descombeuf, that sort of talk is liable to land you in chains. Isolated as your villagers are, rumours of this case of disputed identity have reached Toulouse. It is an intriguing problem, though not one to which I can address myself directly. However, I am aware that this man's antagonist is Pierre Guerre, and that you are a friend of Pierre Guerre. My lord, that has no bearing upon... Should you find a culprit for this act of what you insist is arson, you will be recompensed by force of law. Should you have this man imprisoned or sent to the galleys, you will be doing your friend a favour. He is, therefore, a convenient scapegoat, is he not? He was behind the fire. That seems hardly likely. Prisoner, have you anything to say for yourself? I, Martin Guerre, was not responsible for the burning of the farm building. You are a liar! Quiet. The case is groundless. Set the prisoner free. you that way because they are unsure of themselves they have their suspicions the rumors are gaining ground but they're still sure to prove and as the seneschal said it was in desk on birth's interest to find some culprit for a fire that was quite probably accidental but if pierre's determined to snare you on trumped up charges it can only be a matter of time we must go away Tomorrow we'll take the children. Paris. No, we cannot do that. Why? You've built up the capital, haven't you? We can leave the land. It we will can... be taken as a proof of guilt. What does it matter? They'd never find No! I am Martin Guerre. You are my wife. This is our house. These are our goods. Once that is proved beyond all objection, we can go wherever you want. I don't understand you. I know. What do you mean? That's not good enough. You say that you love me. I do love you. You want me to love you in return. I don't ask that. But you want me to, don't you? Don't you? Yes. And I do. So help me, I do. A man who walked into my life from nowhere when I thought I'd never feel that emotion for anyone. I was free. I was having to fight for my existence, but I was free. And now you... I have made you unhappy. I'm sorry. Damn you! Look what you've turned me into. The image of a feeble woman who... Patrant. I must be honest with you. 
we may not have another chance. I wasn't truthful when I said I came here to redeem Matan's name. I simply planned to make the most of what belonged to him and leave. Before I met you, I... I had not lived the most innocent of lives. What does that matter? It matters to me. These past three years have been a lie, I agree. But there have been some sort of redemption. A redemption for me, not for him. Loving you, our family, working within the community, I cannot pass that up now. Oh, then, well, when they return... When who returns? Your uncle, his friends. They will not let it rest there. The Seneschal freed me, but at the same time he indicated the right of a further prosecution. We must be ready for them. How? I must sharpen my memory even further. You must coach me in the time we have available. I must amaze the court. Bertrand, there is so much to lose. I am afraid. I am so afraid. Trust me, it will be all right. They may come in the morning, at first light. Then we have a few hours left together. If we're to be parted, let us enjoy each other once more. No, we cannot be diverted. I must concentrate. You must teach me. You must tell me everything you can remember about Matan. Open! Open the door! Anadudir! I have letters from the magistrate of Rio requiring your arrest. Come on, break it down. The first trial, in front of the magistrate of Rieux, Firmin Vissière, began on the 26th of January, year of our Lord, 1560. This court will come to order. The case which I have before me is between Pierre Guerre and Bertrand de Rolles, accusers. And Martin Guerre, if such he be, the defendant. I'll begin by hearing witnesses for both sides, a hundred and fifty of whom have been named. If any doubt remains... Uh, my lord, my lord, might I not say, does not the very fact that my stepdaughter Bertrand has joined me in this action, does this not indicate that she too thinks the defendant guilty? Could we not Do dispense? you presume to administer the law? No, no, my lord, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I will start with statements from witnesses. If doubt remains... The protagonists themselves will be called to state their case. I am a shepherd in ability. This is the furthest I've ever been away from Artiga. This is the largest building I've ever seen. Be that as it may, simply tell the court of the day four years ago that the prisoner here in chains approached you. Yes. He said... Well, he spoke my name, Laurent, and my dog, Suet, daughter of the one he knew before he went away. Uh, so it is your opinion that this man before you is Matanga? Yes. Why? Yes. Well, who says he isn't? I, I don't understand. <laughs> 
three sizes smaller than those worn by Matangere before his departure? Yes, my lord. Uh, you keep permanent records, do you, of the shoe sizes of your customers? Uh, yes, my lord. Uh, that is not written records. I, I cannot write, but I keep them in my head. I see. And on this uh, mental basis, you are certain that the prisoner before you is not Matangere. He's not. I'll swear to it. Catherine Bury, you are a bridesmaid to Bertrand de Rolls. State your opinion. This is the man she married. This is Martin Guerre. You are confident of that? As confident as in the identity of my own husband. And yet Bertrand, your closest friend, has jointly brought this lawsuit against him. How do you explain that? I cannot. I don't understand it. She must have been forced. Pierre Guerre is manipulating her. This is her husband. She knows that. Your name, please. My name is Coyben Barrow, my lord. And you are from where? I am from Sajas. I was brought here by Pierre Guerre. Uh, for what purpose? He said I would see someone I knew. Someone in trouble. A relation. And do you? I do, my lord. I see my nephew. I see my nephew on order teal. He is in chains in front of me. You are convinced he is the prisoner? I wish I were not. I know. Why have you done this? Why have you brought this disgrace on your family ever since you were a child? You've been wayward. You've shamed us time and again. But this... And so, almost a month after it had begun, the trial drew to a close. A prisoner, before the verdict is given, you may have a chance to speak for yourself. Step forward into the body of the court. What have you to say? <coughs> My lord, there are many arguments I could make. I could answer questions about my life, any questions you care to put. I could impugn the motives of the witnesses whom my uncle has brought before you. He is a persuasive man. He has money. If anything surprises me, it's that he has not found more men like Carbon Barrow to support his lies. Thank you, my lord. There is only one question which, with your permission, I should like to ask. If Patron is here, my eyes have been dimmed by prison. I can't... I am here. Ah, yes. My lord, I will submit to any punishment you deem fit. I will die any one of a thousand deaths that you care to name. If Patron will swear that I am not Martin Guerre, her husband. Will you swear that, Bertrand? Will you say it? Say it. You are not my husband, Martin Guerre. My lord, I have nothing more to add. <laughs> <laughs> 
The court will rise. I find the prisoner Anne de T, also called Ponset, guilty of deception, of imposture, of forgery, of rape, sacrilege, theft, corruption. He will be beheaded, his body cut into four quarters, and his corpse disposed. He will appeal. He has every ground. By the magistrate at Rio. I mean, who's he but some tin pot jumped up little... Songlass, the evidence was... The evidence was inconclusive. The witnesses were split. My friends, please. You'll bring the whole village out onto the street. And you. You married him and wouldn't even stand up for him. I said I could not be sure. The vast majority of the witnesses said the same. We could hardly perjure ourselves if we didn't know. I mean, the threat of excommunication. That man was a pillar of the community. When the time comes to stand up for him, I'll be there. Coward. My wife, the evidence was against him. The shoe size doesn't change. Shoe sizes. I shall take your cobblers. I'm going to knock you over the head with you. He's right. You're to be ashamed of yourselves. Intimidated by Pierre. And Catherine's known him as long as anyone. But Rand included. Were you calling me a coward? Please, friends, citizens of Artiga. Betrothed's been moved to a neutral house away from her uncle. There's the the Parliament of Toulouse will hear the appeal. I knew it. You were calling me a coward, weren't you? If he's guilty, he'll be found so again. Oh, in Toulouse, they'll see through that. We must not fall out over this. Let me have deep. Please, you frightening Please, keep away. You're frightening the poor creatures. You kept alone. Yes. It treated me well here in Toulouse. Look, new chains. Patron. We will have to take care. I'm known to be told, but this must be a visit on grounds of common humanity only. I cannot be seen to embrace you. I understand. But come closer at least. The appeal. The hearing starts tomorrow. We have an excellent chance. Have we? I'm losing faith. Your joining the prosecution against me had no effect in rear. But it may yet. It is in men's minds now that Pierre is coercing me. All that will count against him. If the judge has more humanity than the last. Why should he? I'll tell you why. Because he is a Huguenot. What? Judge Jean de Corras is a Huguenot. Who told you? Protestant sympathisers are spread thinly in the Languedoc. We tend to know one another. You? You are not the only one with a secret life. Did you never wonder why threats of damnation, of the dangers to my immortal soul, had no effect on me? But Bertrand... I realise you were honest with me and I kept this from you. It is as dangerous in its way as your deception. It would not have helped if I'd told you. Please forgive me. Prison slows down the brain as well as dulling the senses. Decorus knows you are a sympathiser. Some glass the weaver will tell him. But it is not simply a question of affinity. Can't you see that? 
It means he'll be less hidebound by tradition, by notions of sin and morality. He'll try the case on its own merits, the merits we have put together. I hope you're right, Patron. Just keep your wits, your memory, and we will pull through. We still have our witnesses. Katrine will speak for you again, and this time Martin's sisters, Jeanne and the others. They will testify for me. Do you know why? Because they hate Pierre Guerre so much they'd prefer to see you as head of the family. He's losing his power. This time we will win. You remember what Carbon Barreau, my real uncle, said in court at Rieux? That in my youth I'd committed so many crimes, so much delinquency. He was right. Yet during all that time I never feared punishment. Now, if this appeal fails, although I honestly feel I have wronged no one, perhaps it will be no more than my just deserts. We will not lose. Patrand, promise me something. Whatever happens to me, you must look after yourself and our children. You must take whatever course will protect you best. Promise me that. We will not lose. But promise me. I promise. Good. I love you, Patrand. I love you. I love you with all my heart. This case has achieved fame far and wide. Even from so great a distance as Paris, faces are turned southwards to events in a humble village, an almost forgotten portion of the realm. Here in the Parliament of Toulouse, it is our job as the arbiters of justice to see that the truth is brought to light. What is certain is that a great wrong has been done, either by the prisoner or by those who accuse him. In this courtroom, with the eyes of France upon us, guilt will be finally decided. The trial will commence. Jean Guerre, my lord. Zongsi Guerre was my father. Pierre is my uncle. And the accused? My brother. You have not the slightest hesitation in saying that. My lord. We were brought up together. We sat every night opposite each other at the family table. I'm only three years younger than he is. The whole village used to say that we looked alike. Indeed, there is a resemblance. And uh, when he returned from his travels, did you recognize him from the first? I did. We'd given him up for dead, yet there he was before us. And to think that now... Because of these false accusations, we might lose him again. <laughs> Prisoner, this woman claims to be your younger sister. Not claims, my lord. Is. Whatever calumnies may fly around this courtroom, no blame can attach to her. Tell me her birthday. The 5th of April, my lord. And since you have such a remarkable memory... Perhaps you could describe her issue into this world. 
That I cannot, my lord. On the day she was born, I was away with my father visiting relatives in Andai. Is that the case? It is, my lord. My mother often complained how she bore me alone. You may rejoin the body of the girl. If I might, my lord, one last point. Jeanne is mistaken when she says that we sat opposite each other at the family table. After the age of ten, after my mother had died, she would wait upon us and only eat her meal after we had finished. Isn't that so, Jeanne? Oh, Martha. Martha. In a case such as this, the testimony of close relatives must be given the opposite of its usual weight. That is, in my great experience, the support of an accused person's family may normally be discounted. Here, however, the question of bias does not arise. Surely the man's own sisters would rather expel a stranger from their midst than welcome him. The witnesses I brought to Ryu stand by their testimony still. They are in no doubt of the identity of the prisoner, Arnaud Dutille from Saint-Jas. And this um, Arnaud Dutille, you maintain, is a man, a peasant of bad character. Ask anyone in Saint-Jas. Examples of his ill-doing are legion. <laughs> Yet the prisoner, since he appeared in Artiga, has comported himself in an exemplary manner, has he not? Aye. In the cause of his imposture, my lord. Nonetheless, a remarkable change of character. <laughs> Prisoner, have you ever been to Sajas? No, my lord. I have travelled a great deal, but never to that particular village. You are aware that this Arnaud Dutille has been searched for and not found? If he is as dissolute a character as been maintained, I hardly find that surprising. He's probably lying face down in a ditch somewhere. His features rotting in the mud. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you reply to Pierre Guerre, who insists that he is in this very courtroom, that you are Arnaud Dutille? I say only this, that for a man to be maltreated by his closest relatives is the very worst of crimes. From Pierre, I have only ever demanded what was mine, what was bequeathed to me by my own father. But Pierre's jealousies go back to my very childhood, when he was aware that I would be the sole male heir to the Gare family. Only a resentment nurtured for so many years could produce such a fiendish accusation. So far as motives go, all parties have them. But there's no doubt that Pierre Guerre, from preliminary indications of his character, seems the more likely to commit perjury in pursuit of a few thousand leaves, as well as being blind to the possible consequences of failure. The prisoner, on the other hand, is so self-composed that, if he is not the real Martin, surely he would long ago have deemed the risks of imposture to outweigh the benefits. In all my wanderings, in all my adventures, one thing became increasingly clear. No matter what I gained from the world at large, I would never have as much as I had in Artiga. My friends there, friends who I can still see here today, friends who have stood by me through all this, and my dear wife, the wife who welcomed me back after years of absence, who found the goodness in her heart to forgive my desertion, the wife with whom I have shared so much. 
it hinges upon Bertrand. She entered the action against the prisoner, and yet she will not damn him in open court. It cannot be fear of him, for if found guilty, he will die. It must therefore be true that she is being coerced by Pierre Guerre. As she sits there, day after day, her eyes cast down, her face a picture of beauty, of, of virtue, of innocence, I cannot believe she is in any way involved in this duplicity. Either the prisoner took her in entirely, or else he is indeed her husband. I have no further arguments at my command. My lord, I throw myself upon your mercy. These are troubled times for our country. Everywhere there is dissension, everywhere discord. The state at odds with other states, the peasants with their landowners, the church itself unable to agree on a true faith. If religion cannot unify us, then surely we are lost unless we can find that spirit of reconciliation somewhere deep within ourselves. This case is perplexing, for it seems we have no way of ascertaining the truth. Certainly we might resort to torture in order to extract a confession from one or the other of the litigants, but it is a fallible process and abhorrent to those who pride themselves upon reasoning. If the prisoner is Arnaud Dutille, then he is a most remarkable man, with a gift, a talent that he might have turned into profit in any number of spheres. But I tell you plainly that I cannot be sure of his identity one way or the other. And in this case, my duty is clear. It is a duty towards the human reconciliation of which I spoke. It is a duty to maintain those bonds of marriage and affection which already exist to support the legitimacy of children, to uphold the sanctity of the family. I have therefore decided to reverse the judgment of the lower court and to pronounce the prisoner... What is this? Who are you? Who am I? <laughs> Who am I? That's my word. Yes, you may be forgiven for your ignorance, but they, they know, don't you? Don't you? I am Martin Gear. Lies! Lies! If you're Martin Guerre, why have you waited till now to present yourself? Can a man with one leg travel as fast as a rope with one eye to a fortune? You've heard of this case! You've come to take advantage! I heard of this case, and I arrived just in time. It's yours, the imposter. Ask him. Ask him anything you like. If you're Martin Guerre, what was the date of your marriage? How many guests were present? What was the birth date of your son, Sankse? What was the hour you disappeared from Artigar? Now ask me. I know. I know. Yes. You have the answers, but no power on earth can make these people deny me my identity. Will it? Pierre. 
Thank the Lord, Martha. He has delivered you to us. Madame de Rose. I am your stepmother now, Martha. So much time has passed. Katrina Burleth. You brought us a portion on our wedding night. Why do you stare at this leg? Does it horrify you? No. I'm not the lovely youth I was then. But I'm the same person. Aren't I, Shoemaker? You are, indeed you are! And you? What's your name? Sunglass, the weaver. Uh, I cannot deny it. Jan, my sister. Why are you avoiding me eyes? What have you been telling the court? I'm sorry, Martin, I'm sorry. He fooled me, he fooled us all. Please embrace me, grant me your forgiveness. Here. Now you, Bertrand, you have stood by me, haven't you? You have been faithful. You have followed the vows you made at our marriage. The vows that I can still remember, even if the date escapes me. You have not fallen into that error, which might be forgivable in a neighbour, or even a close relative, but incomprehensible in a wife. You have not brought dishonour on yourself, on your family, on your children, by ever believing that man was me. Have you? A thousand pardons. What? Spare me your tears. Answer the question! I must ask a thousand pardons of you. I must ask a hundred times that. I can only wish to die. I... That man is clever, sharp, quick to exploit weaknesses. He is without shame or remorse. But he is not Martin Guerre. You are. Against such evidence, there could be no further doubt. By order of the court, Arnaud Dutille was committed for execution on the 16th of September, 1560. His body afterwards to be burned. From the church of Artigas, Arnaud Dutil was led through the village, a rope around his neck, to the house he had inhabited for three years, before which a scaffold had been built. My friends, and I think I still do have friends here, I have only a few words to say. Though I am guilty of the crimes I have been charged... Standing beneath the gibbet, the inhabitants of Artigas gathered round. I wish for peace in the village. Arnaud Dutil urged Martin Guerre not to treat his wife harshly. While of Bertrand, he only asked for pardon. He died begging God for mercy through his son, Jesus Christ. Misericordium! I saw it. I saw it in your eyes when he stalked into the courtroom. 
You knew we could not prevail. You were urging me to deny you, to save myself, to save the children. I have wondered since whether he was cleverer than both of us, whether he waited, waited to see whether Martin Gay would be accepted in Artigar before he returned. It doesn't matter. What matters is that I loved you, that I found that precious thing, a love between equals, and that I lost it. Woman! In the final episode of the true story of Martin Guerre, Martin and the Impostor were played by Sean Bean, with Leslie Dunlop as Bertrand. The judge, Jean de Corat, was played by Olivier Pierre, the mother by Jill Graham, and Pierre Guerre by Andrew Melville. Sanglas was played by Steve Hodson, his wife by Geraldine Fitzgerald, Francoise by Joe Kendall, and the blacksmith by Peter Gunn. The shoemaker was Eric Allen, the shepherd was John Fleming, and the magistrate was Peter Penry Jones. Other parts were played by Federer Holmes, John Webb, John Church, Jonathan Adams, Keith Drinkle, and Cyril Jenkins. The music was composed and arranged by Philip Pickett and performed by the new London Consort. The musicians were Pavlo Vesnoziuk, Tom Finucane, and Stephen Henderson. The producer was Marilyn Imry, and the director was Janet Whittaker. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.